I'm perhaps going to be a little bit controversial this morning. Which is a bit unusual for me. <laughs> if you want a title for this, it's called Naked God. Um, of course, some of the moments that we share together, especially moments like that, are because there has been a journey before. There's been something that went on before. There's something that you all know, something that you heard, something that they shared, something that allowed you to be part of their life, and they made you part of their lives. Um, and one of the most amazing things that I've seen recently, I mean, I have some incredible times, I mean, really incredible, that are just God moments, really just created by God. They're just incredible. Well, one of the reasons that I know that God moves in those moments so powerfully is because usually people are being very honest very open, vulnerable, transparent, and they are sharing their lives. And into that, or shall we say in it, lives God. God lives in it. Of course, God is everywhere. God is all over, everywhere, touching everyone doing all sorts of unseen things. He's everywhere. But when we become like he is, there's a marriage that is so beautiful. But into that transparency and vulnerability, and of course, that is light. That's what light is. God is powerfully there. You don't have to beg him, you don't have to cry, you don't have to pray, you don't have to do anything. God's just there, powerfully there. So, <clears throat> I suppose really what I'm talking about is vulnerability, transparency, honesty, and that it's the start of everything. It's the start of everything. We, we have this little saying, to be known is to be loved, and to be loved is to be known. Because everybody desperately wants to be known. You understand me? That that is your greatest need, whether you have identified it, whether you understand it, whether you like it. You were created in the image of God. And because of that, your desire deep down is to be known for who you really are. And when you are known, you also are loved. And when you are known and loved, you can know and love others. Because something happens inside. You remember that Jesus, Jesus said, I am the bread of life, didn't he? He said, many times he said, I'm the bread of life. In fact, we can look at a couple. Um, John 6 and 35, Jesus said this. He said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. 
And in John 6 and 51, he says this. He says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Jesus was born in a feeding trough. Jesus is the bread of life. The whole point about bread is that it's given to us so we can eat. He shares himself with us. He shares his life with us. He, he gives us his life as though it's a, a, a loaf of bread. And he says, I want you to eat it. I share myself with you fully. Total disclosure. That's who God is. Total disclosure. Of course, real discipleship is you. If, if you want to know where it starts, it starts in that place. It's you sharing your life. It's you um, being honest about where you are at, what is going on in your life. It's you opening yourself to another. Firstly, of course, to God, but then to others. That, that's what, Jesus is our example of this. I'm going to show you. You're going you're gonna to enjoy this this morning. It's a beautiful, beautiful revelation. But the thing about Jesus is that although he shares himself with everyone, and he does, everyone, it's, he gives his life for everybody. But to the disciples, to those who came to be with him, who had a desire, who wanted to know him, they really wanted to know him. They wanted to follow him. They realized there was something about him. And when they came to him, this is what he said. He said, to you, it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to the rest, it is given in parables. In other words, to the disciples, because they had a desire to know him, because they had a desire to share their lives with him, because they wanted to be close to him and to get to know him, to be known by him and to know him, because of that, Jesus said, to you, I am going to break open mysteries, deep, deep mysteries. Of course, I give it to everyone, but those who want to be known, those who want to share, those who desire that deep in their hearts, those are going to see more. They're going to understand more. I mean, this is why discipleship is so profound. This, is, this, this word discipleship, somehow we've lost it somewhere because we're a little bit afraid of it, but we need to embrace it again and go, this is what Jesus did. Jesus, of course, gave his life to the multitudes. He's given his life to the world. It's available to everyone. But he said, if you want to be my disciple, then you come to me, follow after me, and as you give up your life, I will give you my life. Isn't it beautiful? That's what he says. I just paragraphed it for, paraphrased it for you. His life is freely given to everyone. And everyone can receive the fullness of his life. He's not stopping or hindering anyone from receiving as much as they want. It's all free. And yet, it cannot be received in selfishness. 
You can't receive it in selfishness because you've got to give up your own life in order to receive his life. Do you understand that? You can't, you can't get his life when you're holding on to your own life. If you want his life, you've got to give up your own life. That's what Jesus said, isn't it? He said, if you follow me, you, you give up your own life. It's going to cost you something because the cross is going to be applied into your life and, and what you don't want to give up, I want it. I want it from you. I want the very thing that you don't want to give up. The rich young ruler, you remember the story of him? He, he was walking away. He, he, he didn't want to give up. But there was one thing in his heart that was holding him. It was his riches. He didn't, Jesus didn't say it to everybody. But he said, if you want to follow me, sir, you will have to give me that. You'll have to give it up. Because you cannot have more of me if that's still there in your heart because it takes the place of the Father's love. He said to others, they wanted, they wanted a nice comfortable sleep. They wanted all the comforts. And he said, I want to tell you, if you want to follow me, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. But give it up and follow after me. Do you understand me? Jesus knows the things that we hold on to, the things that we try to carry ourselves. And he says, no, come, come. I want you to share it with me. I want you to be like me. It's scary. It's risky. You will risk everything to follow Jesus. Matthew 16, verse 24, 25. Just in case you don't get what I'm saying. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will give it away. Whoever desires to save his life will give it away. Give his life away. Give your life away. What does that mean? It means that you give away that which you don't really want to give away. That which you're keeping. That which you're hiding. That's which is not yet exposed. You have to give it away. You have to say goodbye. I don't want you anymore because there's something about you that's spoiling me, that's keeping me from knowing the Father more. That's what Jesus meant. But whoever gives away his life for my sake will find it. Wow, powerful, isn't it? Just think, this is Jesus. They all, so, so Jesus, we, we call God the all-powerful, the all-knowing, the all-present one. Omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. He's, that's what he is. He's the all-powerful one, the all-knowing one, the all-seeing one, the all-present one. He's the almighty God. We're told that no one could look at the face of God. He's so holy and mighty and powerful. And to, to be honest, this is how many people like their God. This is how, how many, many people like a powerful, strong God who's going to slaughter his enemies. They're like a, a powerful God who doesn't stand sin. He doesn't like anything. He's just... That's what the whole of the Old Testament's about. You understand that? Centuries ago, the stronger that your God is, the more chance of success you had. Yeah, isn't it true? That's what all the fighting, all the bloodshed, all, the, all that stuff's about. Of course, God, God always meets us in the knowledge that we have. God couldn't just come and go, hey, it's me. He had to meet us 
where we were. So if you look back over the centuries, he's meeting people in the way that they understand God. And he's trying to reveal himself more and more. But if you look at bloodshed and you look at fighting, well, that's because people wanted a strong God. They wanted a powerful God, one who was going to slay their enemies. And when he does, they're the winners. They're the successful ones. They're the powerful ones. Look at our God. You've read the stories. You know, you know that that's true, isn't it? The gods would fight one another and the strongest would prevail. Wow. To have a strong God meant that you were on the winning side. But let's, let's think about real God. Huh? Real God. This is real God. Let's, let's just read about real God. Huh? Philippians 2. Do you want to whip that up on the... And verse, verse 4. Let each one of you look not, not only to his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as man, as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. That's real God, right there. That's who God is. That's God giving himself. Do you understand me? The whole point is that God wanted to show himself to you and me. He wanted you to know who he really is and what he's really like. If you want the essence of God, if you want to see the nature of God, if you want to see the core of the heart of God, then this is it. Jesus is the core and the heart of very God. And God want, he said, I, I want you to know who I am. So God was born as a man. Not as a man, but as a baby. In a feet trough. Naked, vulnerable, transparent. Just there, right there, huh? You see him? That's God right there. God right there. That's who he is. That's real God. This is what he was doing. He was showing you a picture of who he really is. I mean, can, can you imagine as well that like even before Jesus came to the earth, there was never a moment that God was just alone. There was, he was always together with the Spirit and with the Son. He never do anything. There's, there's like, if, if you read the New Testament many, many times, you'll see there's a little bit of a, not an argument, but there's a little bit of a thing going on between them where they're the kind of going, okay, who's got all the authority? Is it you, Father, or is it me? Is it the Holy Ghost? And it's like the, the, the juggling, this sense of, and it is a bit like that, that the, the kind of, they want to give themselves away to each other. That's what they want to do. They want to give themselves away. The Father's going, no, all authority is given to you. And the Son goes, no, but all authority is given to me, but the Holy Spirit's going to do it. 
And it's like the giving the self to each other because there's something about them that cannot remain just one, although they are one. But all the time inside them, they're going, we want to share ourselves. We want to give ourselves. We want people to know who we really are. We want our kids to know what we're really like. That's, that's God, real God. They seem to be emptying themselves all the time. That's really what they were doing. That's what Jesus did when he, he came. And Philippians 2, with that chapter we just read, he's emptying himself. He's emptying himself. He's laying aside things so that he can go, look, this is who I am. This is who I am. I lay it all aside. I want you to know the very core of who I am. The very thing that makes me tick. I want you to understand that I'm not this God that smashes his enemies. I'm not this God that's bloodthirsty. I want you to know that I'm this God who loves you. Who comes to serve you like a bond servant. Not just any servant, but a servant who is a bond servant. Who will never stop giving his life for you. That's what this is all about. This is Christianity, folks. This is life. And somehow it's got to begin to touch us in a deeper way. Do you understand me? I, the reason that I didn't pray for Matt and Anka this morning is because I knew if I start praying, I'm just going to weep. I'm going to cry because I'm invested into their lives. There's something in me that's invested into them. They're not just Matt and Anka. They're part of me. I'm connected with them. There's something about them. I look at Anchor and I'm just, I'm, I'm breaking, I'm on breaking point. Did you feel it? You felt it, of course you did. Many of you felt it. You have to begin to embrace it. You have to begin to identify it and go, that's God. That's God. That's what God wants to do with all of us. Do you understand me? He wants you to know that you are loved, that you are cared for, that he's with you. Isn't it beautiful, Rich? It's beautiful. This is true. This is true of you, my sweet. You were surrounded by family who love you. Connections that will never break. Never, ever break. Huh? This is real God. Isn't it beautiful? This is church, folks. Man, let's start living this life. Let's start living it. If we want to see a revival, let's start living this kind of life. Let it go. There's a song coming on. No, no, no. No, no, no. But you understand? No, no. <laughs> Adam, son, can you do this song for me? No, no. <laughs> oh, my Lord. I began to think about this, and I just... Uh, Jesus is the express image of the Father. Instead of calling him the Almighty One, perhaps he'd be better described as absolute vulnerability between three. Maybe that's the way to describe Jesus. Absolute vulnerability. Absolute transparency. Absolute honesty. Do you understand me? We like the big, all-powerful, mighty God. But you understand me? Therefore, God raised him up. Do you understand me? That's what, that's what comes right after that. Therefore, God raised him up. Why? 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 Because he gave everything. 
He fed us with his whole life. There was nothing hidden from Jesus. I'm going to show you. There was nothing hidden in his life. Nothing. He gave everything. Absolute vulnerability. He is desperate. And I don't... I don't know how I can say this. I don't, I don't mean desperate in, a, in an upset way. I mean he's just desperate to share his life with you. And he's desperate for you to share your life with him. Oh yes, and we're learning. We're learning ways in which to do it. But eventually when it begins to overtake you, it's like it becomes your life. You cannot do anything other than share your life with him. You know that he sees everything. You know that he hears everything. It's no good keeping anything away from him because he knows it all. But I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid about it. I'm not this big man that's, oh yes, I'm the big cheese. I'm the guy that's got it all together. No, that's not me. You understand me? I'm not that man. I'm the man that cries and weeps and spends time with him, telling him everything, telling him the pain that I see when I'm with you. Telling him about the emotions that I feel when I'm with you. Telling him about the tears that I cry for you. I'm that man that tells him those things. I tell him when I do things wrong. I tell him when I do, I see wrong things, when I talk wrong things, when I behave in a wrong way. I'm telling him these things because he knows, but I need to tell him. Because as I tell him, he comes into it all. And the devil never can stand next to me and go, hey, there's something hidden. Because I'll tell you now, there's nothing hidden. He knows it all. And if I died this instant, I would go straight to him and know with confidence that Jesus knows about my life. You may not know all about it. Sometimes I'd love to tell you all about it, but I'm not sure that some of you would get it yet. You understand me? And I have to be wise as well as like risky and I live on that edge all the time because I'm not sure how much you can really stand even though life is round you in all its brazen ways all the time I'm not quite sure yet how much you can really take but I'm waiting to see that church rise up really and it is rising up slowly slowly it's rising I can feel it it's rising up and it's what everyone's waiting for. It's what you all hunger and thirst for. That is where power is found. Right there. Right there. Do you understand me? Talk about, if you want to talk about power, then talk about vulnerability, transparency. Talk about sharing and honesty and openness. Talk about those things first. Then we'll talk about power and authority and success. Then we'll talk about all those other things because all those things are found right there. There is no other place. Huh? He decided. God decided. God decided. And, and when we say he, please understand that when I think about he, I also think about she because he, he is she as well. In him is found everything. In him consists all things. Everything is found in God. He is she as well. The Holy Ghost is the most beautiful, wonderful, accurate, sensitive, creative, dynamic, orderly, incredibly intelligent woman, I am sure. 
I'm sorry to upset some of you, but I'm absolutely sure it's true. Huh? I think the Holy Ghost is more woman than man. Although we call the Holy Ghost he. Can I say that? I just think in the Old Testament, that, you know, do you, you realize that uh, Solomon was a connoisseur of women? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, I'm not really sorry, actually. He was a, a connoisseur of women. He knew women. And he had an experience with the Holy Ghost, the wisdom of God. And throughout it, he called the Holy Ghost a woman. It's just been changed because when the Bible was actually written, parts of it, it was men that were writing it. And being hypocrites, they couldn't deal with it. Sorry. I'm not sorry. Why do I say sorry? I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry. I'm just telling you something that you need to know to get free. Really? But this is what happened. Nothing about Jesus would be hidden. Nothing. Nothing. Which is why I said naked God. What happened when I reread this word to myself, probably for the fifth or the sixth time? In fact, this morning before I got here, I read it another two times. Because that's what I do. I go through it again and again. Just to make sure. If the Holy Spirit stops me anywhere, just to kind of get a sense of, okay, I can't go there. I mustn't say that. I need to stop there. I need to change that. I need to think about that a little bit more. But when I reread this last night, I said, Lord, can I really say this? Can I say that you're the naked God? Because I don't want to offend people. I don't want to upset people. And I don't want to say things just to be controversial. Can I, can I really say that you are the naked God? And then I remembered the feeding trough. Of course he was naked. He was open. He was vulnerable. He was transparent. God. That was God right there. And then I remembered Philippians 2, which we've talked about. And then I remembered the cross. And as I was remembering these things, I thought, okay, Jesus, you were naked. And then he spoke to me and said, Paul, I want you to read. So really, I got it real clear. I want you to read again John 13. So I went, okay, Jesus, I'm going to read John 13. What's that? I remember that you were washing feet. What is it? So then I reread it. So you're going to read it with me, okay? Because it's beautiful. Because I need you to see this as well. Because I've never seen it before. I never saw this before. So John 13, and you can put it up there. Um, I'm not going to read all the verses, but I'm going to read from verse 3 and, and onwards. Oh, I might, maybe I will read all the verses. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments. Okay. Took a towel and girded himself. Where does the towel go? Round his waist. He's girding him, his loins. Round his waist, okay? After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing, you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, 
not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but it's uh, needs only to wash his feet, but it's completely clean, and you were clean, but not all of you. For he knew that there would the, 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 who would betray him. Therefore he said, you were not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I am then your Lord and your teacher, and have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet, for I have given you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Incredible verses. And you go, okay, verse 3. Jesus knew some things, didn't he? What does it say? Straight away it says there, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given... So Jesus knew that the Father had given all things into his hands. But Jesus also knew that he had come from God and was going to God. There's some things that Jesus knew. There's some things that you need to know. You need to know where you came from why you were here, what you were doing here, who you really are, and where you're going. That's what you need to know, don't you? That's what Jesus knew. You need to know it as well, because that'll take you through. Anything that comes, that'll take you. So, it says he rose from supper and laid aside his garments. So, he laid aside his garments, and it felt a little bit like, when I read it, just like Philippians 2, where it he laid aside some of his attributes, you understand me? He laid aside his all-knowingness, his all-seeing, his, all, his, his all-powerfulness. He laid it all aside. And he, he was doing that again. So now his disciples are with him who have been serving him. But now Jesus himself comes and he lays aside his garments. Oh, Jesus, what are you doing? And then he girds himself with a towel. Now, to me, that sounds pretty much, I mean, I may be well wrong, but it sounds pretty much like Jesus is fairly well exposed. Yeah, but yet, understand what Jesus is doing. Jesus is going, look, guys, girls, kids, I love you. I've come down from heaven. I am the king of the whole universe. And I've laid aside all the powerful things. I've laid aside everything that could shield me. Everything that I could wear as a position, as a title, as reputation, as fame. I lay it all aside. I want you to know that I am just like you. And then he stooped down to their feet. To their feet. And he began to wash their feet from all the dirt. And you see, Peter, he wasn't happy about it. He said, no, 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 no. You, you surely can't share this. You can't share. You can't share this dirt. You, you, were not, you were not like me. You can't do this. He went, no. If you don't allow me to share in this way, you have no part in me. If you don't allow me to wash off the dirt from your journey, if you don't allow me to deal with the things that you deal with every day, all the things that you stumble over, all the things that make your feet dirty, all the things that make your feet tired, all the journey that you go through, that's exactly where I want to be. And look, you have nothing to fear because 
This is real God. Right now. Sharing my life with you. Unashamed. Not, bar not embarrassed. Not feeling guilty. Just sharing life. Don't you want to know him like that? I read that. I went, oh, Jesus. Jesus, I want to know you like that. That's what I want to know you like. This was actually, it was actually, I think something happened last week when Nigel came in uh, and, and began to wash my feet after the, after the meeting. Began to wash my feet. Didn't you, Nigel? My feet were anointed. And then with hair, they were dried. And it all happened after the meeting. And I don't know what happened, but I just began to weep. And I think we all began to weep who were in there. But I just, do you, do you see what Jesus says here? This is phenomenal. Do you see what he says? He said, so when he's put his garments back on, you call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Huh? For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Jesus was not saying, you know, every moment of the day I want you to wash each other's feet. What he was saying is, look, see the significance of it. See the significance of it. Jesus is sharing his life. Jesus is giving everything to you. He is sharing his life to you. There's nothing hidden. He's not hidden anything from you. He's saying, this is who I really am. This is where all the power comes from. This is where all the authority comes from. This is where everything that works for me comes from right this place. And now I must do it. You must allow me to wash your feet. You must allow me to share at this depth because this is why you were created. This is what you long for. Listen to me. In Ephesians 5, Paul talks about the church and he talks about husbands and wives. He talks about the church and he says it's a mystery. But just as Jesus loved the church and gave himself for his bride, so too will a husband for his wife. And then it says the husband will sanctify, set apart his wife by the washing of water. What does that mean? Sounds a bit, ooh, what does it mean? This is what it means. It means in a marriage where there is intimacy, where there is sharing. I'm talking about where there's heart. Do you understand me? This is why marriages collapse. Because actually someone denies the washing of the feet. It's not about sex. It's not about the physical stuff. That's all wonderful. But that is not where it's at. It's at a different place altogether. And it's called the sharing of your life. And if you deny Jesus the sharing of your life, he goes, you have no part in me because you're rejecting his very nature. Because you were made in the image of God. You were made in his nature. And you are crying out. Listen to me. People are stubborn. People are proud. They refuse to share things inside. They will go on and on and on. And some of them will have nervous breakdowns. Some of them will have difficulties all their life. Why? 
Because inside, they never shared the depth of their heart. That's why. It's not, it's not difficult to understand this. You all know your spirit right now. Even if you were going, I did not like what Paul said. I didn't blah, blah, blah. Even if your mind's going like that, I'll tell you now, your spirit is going, you know what? That is right on you. Know it as well as I know it. And the sooner that you say, yes, Lord, amen, I want to be like this. I want you to wash my feet. I want you in my life. As soon as you say that, everything will get better. Instantaneously. I'm telling you, instantaneously. Because as soon as you begin to do that, light. He is light. He is love. Light and love just sweep you off your feet. Do you understand me? As soon as you give it away, if you will give away your life, you shall receive my life, said Jesus. If you will give it away, come on kids, give it away to Jesus. Stop holding it. Stop holding it. Give away your life to Jesus. Some people have been sat here for years and years and years. Some people have heard the word of God for years and years and years and have still not got to this place. Jesus wants you in this place. He wants me in it. He wants us all in it. Nothing would be hidden. He became absolutely vulnerable, transparent, honest, and naked before us. Everything that could be known and given would be known and given. He would sow himself completely and utterly into the earth and for his children. He'd be transparent. He'd be honest. He'd be vulnerable. He'd be open. And in that, in that vulnerability was the power that defeated darkness forever. In that. You understand me? The world takes, steals, takes away. Jesus said, you do your worst. You kill me and crucify me on a cross. You, the world, do your worst. But I'm going to do my best. I'm going to give my best. And my life is going to be fully given to you. It's never going to stop flowing. This is just the beginning. It's going to be like this forever. This is how I am. I give my life for you all the time. And when he did that, the devil and all darkness and all principalities, they did not know what to do. I'm telling you, they did not know what to do because no amount of armaments, no amount of weapons, no amount of darkness, nothing could defeat this moment of absolute, pure, brilliant light. Nothing. Nothing. Don't you want to live like that? Oh, Jesus, I want to live like that. I want to walk into nations and sparkle like that. Don't you want to live like that? Don't you want to live like that when you go to work and when you're at home? Don't you, don't you, don't you have a desire to do that? Don't you just want everyone to know who you really are? Of course you do. That's the scream. That's the scream. But of course the world denies it. The world does not admire these qualities. I mean, tell me, how, how, how many politicians do you know who are vulnerable? 
How many politicians do you know who are honest and transparent? Wouldn't it be a breath of fresh air if someone just got up and went, you know what? I had a really bad day, yes, and we had an argument, and yes, we did, we, we did some things that we shouldn't have done, and it wasn't, it, it wasn't good, but hey, I'm just like all of you. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be a breath of fresh air? Everyone would go, man, who's that? But no one does it because it's not admired. You understand me? We all took it away and go, no, no, the world dictates to us how we're going to live. Well, the world's got to stop dictating to you how you're going to live because your Lord is Jesus, not anyone else. Huh? But it's risky. It's risky, isn't it? Undefended, constant openness is a felt risk all the time. Every time, even me talking like this with you this morning is a risk. You understand me? It's me risking everything. No, it's always me risking everything. You understand me? I take you to this edge. It's not you risking anything. It's me risking everything because someone could be sat there listening to me and going, oh, what's Paul talking about? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk about that. I'm going I'm to say something about him. I'm, I'm gonna, it's me that risks it for your sake, which is what Jesus did. He risked it all for my sake and your sake all the time. Do you understand me? It's incredible what Jesus has done for us. When you open yourself, the river happens. The river just happens. The river of God just happens. You understand me? I don't need a meeting to get in the river of God. The river of God's in me. I don't need a meeting. I used to be in the meetings. 1984, I was in the meetings. I, 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 I was swimming with people. Down. I, I, I went so deep in the river that I, th I, I didn't think I was going to get up again. It was at Charlestown. 1984, I was swimming in the river before it ever got to, to be a thing. The river's in you. Huh? And once you begin to live in this life, the river flows. It's a beautiful thing. He flows through you. You don't have to weep anymore. You don't have to pray anymore. You don't have to fast. You don't have to... I mean, I don't mean you don't have to pray anymore. Do you understand me? Just catching me words. Of course, you pray and you weep and you do all those things, but I mean, you don't need to do it for this. Because he lives in us. He loves us. Huh? What are we doing? Are we playing games with God or what? Come on. I know there's people here who are screaming for the same thing, because if you were, if, 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 you're here. Put it that way. You were here. You all are screaming for this, because if you were here, then it'd be different, wouldn't it? But you are here. And you're listening to this, you're putting yourself through this right now for the sake of your own self. It's for your benefit. You understand me? We have to learn this. We have to be it. <clears throat> this is what I've learned over the, over the years, that you don't have to belong to a certain group to understand or experience the river or the dove or whatever you want to call him. You don't have to... You don't have to belong to a certain group. You don't have to be per perfect. You don't even have to be right. Many times you can be wrong. Still enjoy and live in this river. Huh? I've seen this life touch alcoholics, homosexuals, criminals, those married once, those married three times, those who were living on the edge. I tell you what, I've seen this life touch into people's lives when, when they're in the most desperate state ever. God is in it. It only needs for you to open yourself and share your life as though it's bread. Doesn't it? That's all it needs. Be like Jesus.
It's funny, isn't it? That I just put here, we seem to admire needing no one. Society seems to admire needing no one. We don't need anyone. We can do everything else. Are we idiots? Are we stupid? No, really. I mean, what is that? It's just pride and selfishness. It's just arrogance. It's horrible. What, I don't need anybody else? No, I need, I need plenty of other people in my life. I need you all. You need me in your life. We need one another. But we admire not needing anyone in society. It's like, I can do it all myself. I'm the big cheese. I'm the one that's got it all together. No, you're just an idiot. No, I, I don't mean to be upsetting, but it is true, isn't it? Someone has to say it because really, it strolls around as though it's something to be proud of. It's nothing to be proud of. Huh? Eventually, I can say to you that I know who I am. I wrote this. I can say to you I know who I am. I'm a son of God. And yet even when I say it, it's because he's my father. I'm not a son of God on my own. Huh? I'm not a son of God on my own. It's because he's my dad. I'm not a son on, on my own because I've got a friend in Jesus and I've got a brother. And I've got a prince and I've got someone who listens to me. I'm never on my own because he's with me. And I'm never on my own because you're with me. We're never alone. We need one another. And you need to open your hearts. You need to come to this level of communion. We have communion often here. It's symbolic of a life that we are meant to live and enjoy and, and, and be part of. That's what community really is. Is it risky? Yes, of course it is. What's not risky? It's risky going out, isn't it? It's risky going out. Life's risky, isn't it? It's all right. You see, look at Olivia. She's, she, she so much wants this life. She's sat there. She's weeping her eyes out. No, really. She just wants this life. Do you understand me? Everything in her is going, whatever that is that Paul's got, I want it. Do you understand me? She can't help herself. Well, that's how you all feel, but you just don't let it go. You understand me? You've learned not to let it go. You've learned to keep it in because it's not the way to do things. It's not what the world says. Well, who cares what the world says? Do you want to be well or don't you? Do you want to live full or don't you? Huh? Come on. We're a different household. We're the house of the king. And I've seen all sorts of failures in life. All around me, things going wrong. And in the end, I go, you know what it is? It's just because somehow someone denied the sharing of themselves with another. They denied it. Because when you deny it, you finish that communion. Do you understand me? You finish that fellowship. Jesus said, Peter, they'll, they'll be, you won't have any part in me. You won't have any part in me. If you don't do this, you understand me, Jesus. He was going for ministry, man. He had a function. He had a design. He was going for ministry. Whoa, whoa. He was on the road. And Jesus started washing his feet. No, no, you're not going to do that. Hey, Peter, if you don't share your life with me, if you don't share your life with me and begin to be open and honest and vulnerable, if you don't share intimately with me, you have no part in me. You can do any ministry you want, but it won't be from me. My, oh, my, oh, my. Doesn't it just, whoo, Lord. Giving ourselves. We have to give ourselves. It's a very risky thing. 
I want to tell you that it's risky. You know, I had a beautiful, I was telling someone the other day, I can't tell you the details of it, but I shared with a lady who had two children, still has two children, and beautiful husband, um, going through a desperate, desperate time in their lives. And I was asked to go and visit them. And I found myself with one of the most beautiful women that I've ever had the opportunity to be with, truly. And when I got to the house, the kids were in bed, and the husband said, I'm going out. I'm going out. The lady then shared five hours. Now, I know her from before, and Shasti knows her, and she knows this situation, obviously. But for five hours, until one o'clock in the morning, she shared her heart with me. And I shared my heart with her. And you know what she said? She wrote me just a, a couple of weeks ago. She wrote a long email. And she said, I've written a song. And it's all about the Samaritan woman. It's all about the Samaritan woman and how Jesus met the Samaritan woman at the well. And she said, it all started two years ago, Paul, when you came to visit me. And you made yourself vulnerable and honest and you opened your heart. And we sat there for five hours and I told you everything about my life. I have no idea how you felt. And that's true. She had no idea how I felt and what I was going through in those moments. But I'll tell you, it transformed her life. It was worth it. Do you understand me? I went back home that evening and I wept for two hours in my bed, solid. Two hours. Because something in me felt vulnerable. Something in me felt like, oh, Jesus. What a conversation that was. But you know what? It was in every word that was spoken. It was powerful. God was there. I going to Jesus, Lord. You are amazing. But of course, you never know this if you're not willing to risk it. And it is risk, you see. I said yesterday that when, when Peter and John prayed for the man that had been lame for 38 years who was outside the temple. All the people around rushed to that moment. They rushed into that moment to see this man who had been raised and was walking. And then the, the chief priests and the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they all rushed there as well. They all rushed there. And right at the end of what they said, they said this, and we don't like that you preach Jesus who's risen from the dead. What didn't they like? They didn't like life. What didn't they want to look at? They didn't want to look at life. You understand me? They were afraid of death because they lived in boxes that was boxes of constriction around their lives the whole time, regulations, laws, things that made them feel safe, and anyone that ventured outside of their little boxes was a huge threat to their personal life. He said, we don't like that you talk about Jesus and being raised from the dead. You can talk about anything, but don't talk about that, because there's no way that we want to know that Jesus is still living and things are still full of life. We don't want to know it. We live in our boxes. Jesus is just saying, get rid of the boxes, kids. Get rid of them. Get rid of them. 
If you want to go to a new place, if you want to know the power, if you, if you want to see authority, get rid of the boxes. Get shut of them. Go, Jesus, I've lived in these boxes long enough now. There's things in my life that I need to share. There's deep things in my life that I need to share that I've never shared before. I need to sort them out and get rid of them. I don't mean you talk to everyone. I mean you talk to some trusted person that you know and you love in your life. And you talk to them and you bring it all before Jesus and you get cleansed. Huh? You get cleansed. A thorough cleansing. What about that? It'd be beautiful, wouldn't it? So, naked God. Vulnerability, transparency, and honesty. That's what discipleship's all, around, all about. That's where you were all going, whether you knew it or not. That is where you're all going. Isn't it beautiful? That's where the flow's going. It takes us a little while sometimes to get into it, but you're all going there no matter what. So it's best to embrace it right now. Oh, thank you. I did have a cloth there. Let's just, do you want to stand to your feet? And forgive me if I've upset you. Forgive me. If I touched any little buttons in you. Oh, good. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Thank you for that, Phil. Thank you, Father. Lord, we stand before you right now. Lord, I stand before you right now. And I want to thank you, Father, for the privilege and the honor of knowing you, Jesus. And that you know me. And that we, together, Lord, can walk in this life. I'm not alone, Lord. Not alone, Jesus, because you have communion with me and I with you, Lord. And Father, I'm asking, Lord, that this deep cry, which is not only in my heart, but I know, Father, it's in the heart of this household. It's what people have sought after for so long, Father. It's what, it's what they desire so much, so deeply, Father, in the hearts, because we are created in the same image of you, Jesus. And we desire the same things that you desire deep in our spirit, Father. And Lord, I ask, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you would reach down, Lord, into our spirits, Father, and strengthen us in the name of Jesus. And Father, as you strengthen us, Father, we give you permission. In Jesus' name, Lord, we release this life that you have given to us, Lord. We want the river to flow through us, Father, in greater capacity, Father, greater depth, Lord. Greater width, Lord. We want it, Father, flowing within us. But we realize, Lord, that there must be a transaction, Father, from our own hearts as well, Lord. Like Peter, Lord, sometimes we say that we don't want you to wash our feet, Lord. But Father, right now, this morning, I'm saying, Jesus, I want you to wash my feet, Lord. I want you to wash and help me be clean, Father, every day because there's so much, Lord, that comes my way. There's so much that comes our way, Father. Things that we go through every day, Lord. Difficulties, things that we see and experience, Lord. Things that we have gone through years ago, Lord. That still stick between our toes and make us stumble. That still stick there, Father. Like big, big planks, Father, that stick between our toes and we fall over, Father. And then we get up and try again, Lord. But Jesus, we're asking, Lord, for a new moment. We're asking for a new moment, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you would cleanse us. And wash us, Jesus, by your word. And I want to thank you for the revelation, Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that it's revelation, Father. I thank you, Jesus, that he does something in our lives, Lord. And prepares us and gets us ready for the next thing, Lord. I want to thank you so much, Lord, for your love and your goodness, Lord. And 
Father, I particularly pray for those who have been hurt, Lord, by others who deny the sharing of their lives with those who are closest to them, Father. Father, I ask that you would move into that, Father, because there is much of that, Lord. There's much of us denying the sharing of our lives with each other, Lord, and certainly at a deep level, Father, certainly on the level of marriage, Father. Father, I'm asking Jesus that you would show us where that is true, Father, and that you would help us to begin to share and give our lives to one another again, Father. Help us, Father. We're asking that humbly, but boldly, Lord, we ask it. And I do ask, Father, that if there's anything that I have said that is not pleasing to you, Jesus, anything, Father, at all, then please, Father, forgive me. I know that I'm bold, Lord, and I know that I'm strong sometimes, but, Father, I just ask that you would forgive me, Lord, if I overstep, or if it's too much for someone in the room, Lord. But, Father, I'm asking by your Spirit, Lord, that you would just minister to everybody here. In Jesus' name. Amen.